Can you imagine your name is on a trophy with Bobby Jones, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas? I could go on, but this is, that's a pretty good start. This isn't is it? amazing. This is a dream come true. Pretty much the top uh, two or three best players in the world to ever play this game are on there. It always puts a smile on my face that I'm going to join them and no one can take it away from me. When I look back at trophies that I've won, my kids will ask me, Daddy, which one do you cherish the most? Well, the U.S. Amateur. I got it three times. I saw Phil and all these great players in the history of golf. Yon Hoon An has a spot on the Havemeyer Trophy alongside all those great names. I woke up one morning and it was right above my bed and I turned around and looked at it. And the name that stuck out to me is Francis Wilmette. And seeing his name on there was pretty special. I first qualified for the amateur in 1955. I was 15 years old. First met Bob Jones at that time. He spoke at our banquet that evening. The US amateur became something very special to me. I take tremendous pride in being a former amateur champ, and I put it in as highest regards of any other tournament that I've ever won. Phil Mickelson, United States Amateur Champion. This is the U.S. Amateur Championship. This is the ultimate here. And you're not a top amateur unless you win the U.S. Amateur. That's just the bottom line. It's a physical test. It's a mental test. It's one of those things where you get to see how you really stack up. When I won, it gave me the confidence in my game that I needed to go on and go. We don't get this opportunity to play for a national crown very often. And when that opportunity comes, it makes you feel special that you, know, you have a chance to win our nation's title. Three straight U.S. Amateur Championships for Tiger Woods. For the amateurs, I mean, the U.S. Amateur is the biggest tournament there is. Until the day I die, they can always announce me as the U.S. Amateur Champion. Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. If that doesn't get you excited for the United States Amateur, I don't know what will. Just listening to how much the USAM means to guys like Sutton, Nicholas, Phil, and Tiger, after all of the majors that they've won in their careers, pretty special stuff. So why did that montage play before the usual opening theme music for the Back of the Range Golf Podcast? Well, because I have an exciting announcement to share with you all. I'm pleased to announce that I will be at the United States Amateur at Bandon Dunes in Oregon next week. No, I won't be playing. That's, that's very nice if you thought that that was my big announcement. Instead, I'll be joining the USGA as a special USAM contributor to their coverage of the 120th US Amateur. I'll be on site for the practice rounds, stroke play sessions, and the entire match play portion until a champion is crowned on Sunday, August 16th. I'll be bringing you inside the ropes access with photos, videos, quotes, interviews, and my own personal account of the action during the most competitive and strongest field in the history of this championship. Remember, this is an all-exempt field due to the coronavirus pandemic, no qualifiers were held for this year's championship. If you're following the back of the range on social media, keep doing so because I'll post content on my social media channels from start to finish. But if you don't already, now would be a good time to make sure you're following the USGA on their social media channels because some of my content that I gather during the week will appear there as well. 
Many great people at the USGA helped make this opportunity for me a reality. In my conversations with them over the last couple of weeks, it has clearly been an all-hands-on-deck mission to make sure that the USAM and the women's amateur were contested this year. And I'm thrilled to contribute to the coverage and the narrative from Bandon Dunes. So that's the news. I'll post this information on my social media channels very soon, but I wanted you, the hardcore listeners and subscribers to the Back of the Range Golf podcast, to know this first. Thank you for your support of this podcast and the interest in amateur golf, because this does not happen without listeners like you. Don't forget links to all of the social media channels and every previous episode here at the Back of the Range can be found on the website thebackoftherange.com. Now, yesterday was actually a first. I posted a special episode, a Sunday conversation with the new Western Amateur Champion, Pearson Cootie from the University of Texas. After making the top 16 to go to match play after 72 grueling holes of stroke play, he captured the title and is one of the favorites heading into the USAM. Another clear favorite is Mac Meisner from SMU. He recently captured the 2020 Southern Amateur Championship, and he's my guest on this episode of the Back of the Range. Mac Meisner is just flat-out impressive. Humble, honest, and very transparent about his game, his goals, and how he handles his business. This kid works hard on the golf course and in the classroom. Two-time All-American, he holds the SMU record for single-season scoring average, and he has a 4.0 GPA. Hard to get into too much trouble when you have all that going for you. This is a bit of a lengthy episode, but it is filled with incredible stories and great insight into one of the best collegiate players in the country. So let's get started. Mac, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, um, got to get out of the way. It's July 25th. Like to let our listeners know when we're recording, because as you know, and everyone else knows, things change uh, from day to day in this world. But um, we can safely report that you are the 2020 Southern Amateur Champion. Let's get that out of the way also. Um, yeah. There is basically a, a grand slam of tournaments, so to speak, this summer for the uh, top collegiate players and mid-ams and senior ams to play in that would get them a berth into the U.S. Amateur Abandoned Dunes. That's the North-South Am that Tyler Strafasi won, and the Southern is all yours, Uh Preston Summerhays just picked up the Sunny Hannah this past weekend, and then you're on the way to the Western Amateur before going to Bandon Dunes. So let's talk about the last few months for what you've been doing. Obviously, the state of your game is pretty damn good, but um, how have you got your game into that condition with really nothing to play in? Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm not sure. I think <laughs> good answer. Way to start uh, off with a bang. I love it. Lo- love yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, honestly, yeah. I, after we got shut down mid-March, I took a little bit of time off, um, just kind of went or, you know, hung out with my buddies, uh, stayed up and I stayed up in Dallas for about three, four weeks, um, just finished up my school and, you know, just kind of had a, had a good time, kind of got my mind off of golf, you know, practice a little bit, but I think for the most part, I just kept it light and, um, just spent a lot of time with the people, you know, I love and care about. And, um, I think that was really nice to be able to take that time off and not, you know, cause spring season is, it's a grind and we had already had two straight, two straight tournaments back to back. Um, so to be able to take that time off and not really focus so much on my game was, was really cool. 
Um, as as much as it sucks that we got you know cut off for this for the season, I mean it was a blessing in disguise. I was able to kind of around mid May I picked up picked up my game, you know, picked up my clubs again, and started grinding really hard with my coach Brian Gathright back home, and uh, right kind of right after we finished school, and that's kind of where I started you know working hard, um, kind of fixing the things that. I hadn't loved in my game starting kind of starting out in the spring season. My swing had gotten super short, like outrageously short. Okay. And uh, so me and Brian really just worked for like four straight weeks on literally just trying to get my swing longer. Because of that, you know, it took about a, a whole two or three months. I mean, two months probably to get it kind of where we wanted it. And um, actually luckily picked up like seven or eight miles an hour of club speed, which was really cool, um, to see that pay off. And, sure. um, yeah, so that was, that was nice. And, you know, be able to take that time off really helped a lot for sure. So you basically, I mean, you had, you, you were really trending in a nice direction this spring. I mean, you, I think the last tournament you played was Southern Highlands out, uh, out there in Vegas and, you know, came in fourth place there. So obviously you're playing good and then you shut it down. I, I mean, is it fair to say that the, there just comes a time where just the repetitive tournament schedule, travel schedule, got to take care of classes and all that? I mean, I guess you could find yourself in just areas where you just kind of get lost. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just so much going on in the college circuit, especially in the spring, because I mean, there are you know, there could be three straight weeks where we just go back to back to back. And, you know, I'm missing six, seven days of school in three weeks. I mean, that's a lot of school. And um, in my classes, I mean, each day you miss, you feel like you miss an entire, you know, two chapters. Sure. So, you know, you it's a grind. I mean, you, you go to these tournaments and you come back, you have to take basically two, almost two days off, just try to get back caught up in school, you know take the test that you missed and all that jazz. So, sure, yeah. you know, it is, it is a grind. And then, and then the next day you're like, all right, I got two days until I leave. Got to get back on the grind, get ready for the next, next course I'm playing. So yeah, it is, it's, it's a heavy load and, uh, I love it. I mean, I've, I've really, it's helped me learn to manage my time. Well, you know, there's, you just can't waste any time. Okay. Um, you know, as a college golfer, you got to be, able to manage your time so well and uh it's helped me learn that and you know just being efficient with you know doing my schoolwork when i need to and um, finding those little times to practice and work on my game um but yeah i think i think being a college golfer is an absolute grind that a lot of people don't understand um and you know i, I wouldn't change it for the world though i think a lot of people that casually follow the game they'll they'll see things on you know maybe a a golf week or the golf channel occasionally, obviously they, they put the national championship on uh, front and center uh, every year. And we'll, we'll get to last year's championship in a minute, but yeah, there are things they don't see. Um, maybe what's the one thing that no one will ever see, you know, perhaps even all of your teammates or, or something that is just so hidden from maybe media or your friends or, um, like I said, other teammates, I mean, are we talking about, you know, 9 PM and 10 PM sessions at the practice facility? We like to, you know, they don't like us to stay too late up at Trinity. I think we leave probably around, you know, eight at the latest. Sure. But I think what a lot of people don't see is, you know, staying up until two o'clock 
studying for an accounting test the next day, you know, after I've just gotten back from a tournament on Sunday. Right. Um, it's those things, you know, finding those, you know, hour long periods in between classes to go and, and grind out, you know, a homework assignment. So you can stay a little bit longer to practice. Um, it's just those, those little moments where, you know, you're just trying to stay afloat, you know, and stay ahead. Um, where a lot of people might be sleeping or taking a nap, you know, as a normal college student, it's right. nice because you can, you can space out your classes to where you can do your homework right after. Um, but for us, you know, we have to be done around noon every day for uh, practice. So, you know, we go school straight to practice and then you got to get home and do your homework before, you know, before the next day. Um, so a lot of people just, they don't see the, you know, you, you get home at eight, you know, nine o'clock after dinner and you're doing homework until one o'clock some, some days, depending on what your, what your schedule is the next day. Well, I don't, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll move on to what brought you to SMU, but I don't want people to think that you're just barely scraping by with like C's and D's and, and you're just barely staying <laughs> eligible. I mean, you are, yeah. you, you did win student athlete of the year at SMU in your junior season. So <laughs> you're, let's, let's just we'll slow that down with how you can barely read or write. I mean, you got a 4.0 grade point average, right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. All right. I, don't, I already don't like the way this is going because I try. And, uh, all right, let's just let's just move on. I'm getting aggravated here. So let's. Okay, how did how did you get? Um, explain to me how SMU came into the picture. I mean, I, you know, individual uh, champion, you know, co-champion on the high school level, coming out of San Antonio. I mean, there's a lot of great schools and programs like you. I'm sure you're well aware of in that Texas, Oklahoma. How did uh, how did SMU get on your radar and ultimately become your your choice of where you would go to play college golf? I think it was probably my freshman year when I started just thinking about what I wanted in a school. And, uh, you know, I told my parents from an early age that I just didn't think that I didn't think a public a big public school was the place for me. Um, I just didn't feel like, you know, it would be a place where I would excel as well. And so you know, about freshman year of high school is when I was, when I decided that, you know, I was only going to look at private schools, um, smaller private schools to, uh, play golf, regardless of if, you know, they might not have been the strongest schools or for golf. I, you know, I really had focused really hard on my academics in high school. And I knew that, you know, that was just as important as golf for me, um, to be able to, you know, get a, get a degree in, you know, some sort of, um, business elective, whether, whether, you know, I'm doing finance now, but, um, to be able to do something that I love in the classroom, but also feel like I can have the best opportunity to excel in on the golf course. And so I think from an early, you know, early age up in, in high school and uh, freshman, sophomore year, when I was really looking at colleges, I really narrowed it down to a bunch of private schools in Texas. So I was talking to a couple in California as well. Uh, but I think the thing that attracted me so well to SMU was not only, you know, the our business school is, is top notch. And I knew that I would be able to get an amazing degree and some amazing connections in Dallas. Um, and then also, you know, having our you know, our practice facility SME was up and coming. A lot of great players had already committed before me. And, um, I just thought, I mean, I, I just decided, you know, that it was the best place for me. It was close, close enough to home to where 
I could, you know, drive back home. It's about four hours um, to come see my swing coach in San Antonio. Um, but it was also far enough to where I, I didn't have to go home if I, you know, if I didn't want to. So, um, you know, it just, it checked all the boxes for me. I, I loved, loved the coaches, loved the practice facility and love the academics and, um, the culture. So, you know, at the end the, and, you know, in the end I decided that that was the best place for me. You mentioned the practice facility has a pretty, uh, pretty important name on it. The, uh, Payne Stewart practice facility. I'm guessing walking through there there are some pretty impressive either pictures or plaques or quotes or trophies or all of the above so i guess that is a place that you'd want to spend a lot of time in tell me something on the wall there that you walk past and you, you notice it every time can you can you pick one? Oh yeah i can think of a, a lot but okay. i think so i mean obviously when you walk in there's a huge sign that says uh paint paint store practice facility and um you know, obviously, I mean, we've had some amazing players come through SMU before me, Bryson, Payne Stewart, Kelly Craft, you know, Colt Nost. I mean, so many, so many players, Harry Higgs. And, uh, you know, right when you walk in, we've got a big trophy case um, right next to our locker room with all the trophies that the team had won in the past, individual trophies won by Bryson. And, um, you know, so I think you walk in there and you see, on top of this trophy case, they have we have probably four or five bags, you know, tour bags. We've got Harry's bag and Kelly Craft's bag, um, Bryson's bag, um, and so you walk right in, and you're like, wow, like a lot of good players have been here before me. Sure. Um, so you get to see that every single day when you walk in. That I mean, there's there's been a lot of history at SMU. I I know that you mentioned that you're there. You know, you don't want to really be there any past eight p.m. But I'm sure that there are times when, when the nights get late, there's some sort of a putting or a chipping contest going on. There's, oh, yeah. there's gotta be a guy in the team that just, you don't want any piece of in, in a putting game at eight o'clock at night. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's learn a little bit more about some of your teammates. Who, who do you not really want to get a piece of? Because God forbid you lose, you're not going to, okay, yeah. yeah, it's just going to get, yeah, you're not going to hear the end of it for a while. We've got this. So we've got this kind of tradition that we do when we leave. Uh, me and my buddy Tyson, uh, he's, uh, he'll be a sophomore this year and, uh, a couple of other guys will join in. Sometimes we, every time, every day before we leave the course, we'll, we'll throw on the track man and, uh, we'll either do a long drive contest or we'll do a, uh, we'll see who can generate the most spin, most RPMs okay. on like a 40 yard shot. And so usually we'll do it for like, we'll play for like a milkshake or whatever, you know, going home a smoothie or something. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just so much fun. I mean, we, we get in this bay and it's, it's freaking pitch black in there and we're just wailing on drivers out into the, out into the range. Poor guys are picking up balls on the range while it's dark. And, um, it's just fun because we, we jab at each other back and forth. A lot of us do, um, and you just you don't want to lose in those contests because you will not hear about you will hear about it for weeks until you've won the next one. It is, it is so it is so great. Um, so you, and, you so yeah. you winning an individual title at a collegiate event that's I mean that's high in the list. But it sounds like this is more this is this is more bragging rights, doesn't it? 
<laughs> there's a lot of pride riding on these riding on these long drive contests in this in the bay it is it is absolutely hilarious how, is, how competitive we get in there you guys this is really great i'm learning a lot about the smu program where you guys are basically <laughs> the equivalent of meatheads at a top golf perfect <laughs> We get our we get our work in sometimes oh, too. Okay, here it comes. I see. All right, no, no, that's good. Yeah. That's good. We got You got to let loose, and you got to kind of let uh, let things kind of uh, decompress because there's a lot of pressure yeah. out there. And um, yeah, for sure, it's a, yeah. it's a fun way to kind of wind down after you know hot practice or a long practice, get inside and be able to do something fun. Perfect for sure. Perfect. Well, one of the tournaments. I mean, I, I don't want to go through every single tournament that you you played in in last season. And obviously, this season's been interrupted, but. You guys made match play at 2019 National Championship, and I mean, in in the most dramatic fashion possible, you find yourselves in a very unique playoff with Clemson for the eighth and final spot in the match play portion of the National Championship. And it, like I said, it's a very unique playoff because you know, and many listeners know that follow college golf at all or ever played college golf or even high school golf really typically it's five players and the low four scores count but in this format five players all five scores count and you know that really tests the depth of your team because nobody can hide so if you shot 81 that day you know tee it up again because whatever you do is going to count you know you know you're going to be in that playoff what is the five, 10 minutes like between, okay, we're in a playoff and okay, now we actually need to go do it. You know, big hundred thousand pound elephant in the room. I, you know, I, the last hole of stroke play, I needed two putts for our team to go to, you know, to get into match play. And, uh, these greens were rolling, like seem like they're rolling like 16, but I mean, they were fast and sure. this whole, you know, I've got probably 30 feet down the hill and this, if I run it like five feet by the ball goes 40 yards off the green. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm obviously nervous, uh, in a position I really had not been in, in my entire life and leave it three feet short and, you know, nice horseshoe job right back at me. So, um, I'm obviously a little upset walking off that green. I feel like I've screwed my team. Um, we fought so hard to get there. Um, but you know, we, my team, you know, my teammates, I walk up to them and they were all so unbelievably supportive of me. Uh, my coaches picked me right up and said, we're still in this. I mean, we're not, we're not out of it. You know, I did feel like I, you know, I put us in that situation, but you know, the amount of support I received from my teammates and my coaches was unparalleled. And, um, that five minute, 10 minute drive back to the, uh, back to the, uh, practice facility and, um, clubhouse, you know, where we were getting prepped for, uh, the playoff where, you know, it was us. We, we got into this van and we threw on, um, I don't remember what song it was, but we there, we have, we usually have a song each week that we listen to, you know, that kind of pump us up and sure. coach Parra throws on, throws on, I think it was old town road by, uh, that, I don't know who that is. You know that song, I, right? I know. Well, uh, hey, listen, so I'm, was, I'm 43. You better know it before I figure it out because that's not helping your cause at all. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so he he throws it on, and we are listening to it at full volume in this van. And yeah, I'm it's like, by, it's by Little like, Nas X, my favorite. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know it better than I do. Oh, and we yeah. we throw it on. We're all just singing it. And I mean, it didn't even feel like we were about to head into probably the biggest hole in our entire life. You know. Sure. 
you know, it was, it was such a great way to kind of decompress after the amount of stress that I'd caused myself the last, on the last hole. Um, so, you know, we were, you know, I don't know what Clemson was doing, but we were having a blast getting ready for that playoff. So how, so that playoff, is it just, did you just play 18? Okay. So yeah, we, each one of us went out and played. So I was paired up against Bryson Nimmer, um, on 18 and each one of our guys was put on a hole against another Clemson player. I think based on what you started the week at, like on the team, like one, two, three, four, five, right. um, you were paired against the respective one, two, three, four, five player on Clemson. And uh, so we had Ollie on one, uh, Jackson was on 16, uh, Jackson was on 15, Ben was on 16, and uh, Noah was on 17. And so we're all playing on our respective holes. We had no idea what anyone else is doing. Wow. And it was, it was the craziest experience I've ever, I've ever been in. Um, and I think what helped us the most, we got, we, you know, right before we all kind of head out, head out to our holes, um, coach kind of puts us together and we all kind of getting pumped up and he goes, you know what, you guys don't worry about your teammate. Everyone focus on your doing your job. And, so I, I didn't think I didn't, I just felt like I was in a playoff against Bryson. I didn't think I would, that anyone else was in the playoff. I just kind of focused on what I was doing on 18, obviously a brutal golf hole, um, hit a great drive and an amazing seven iron to about 15 feet. And, um, you know, the rest of the team got it done. You know, we think we beat them by, it's like an aggregate five hole total. Yeah, and, I think uh, you beat him by think, like three or four or something like that. I think that. we beat him by like yeah, exactly two, two or two, three or four. And um, you know, that was that was the most gratifying um experience of my you know, of my entire life to be able to um after doing what I did on eighteen for my team to get through, I've I've never felt as much relief as I did uh <laughs> walking off that eighteenth hole. Um after getting, you know, doing my job and making a good par on 18. Um, but my team, we just, we bonded together. Um, and Ollie made a absolute bomb 20 footer for par walked it in. I mean, I, this guy never shows any emotion and I watched, I watched him absolutely tiger walk this, this ball and on <laughs> on hole one, I mean, it was absolutely nuts. It was so much fun. I mean, so much emotions, you know, they, you, I think they showed our reactions after we won, we had won the playoff. And I mean, our coach was crying and I mean, we were all jumping up and down, running down fairways. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a roller coaster, but I mean, to be able to just make it to match play was so, was so cool. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, I'm really glad you share that story. It's such a, it's such a crazy setup because you spend the entire year as a team and then they, for this playoff to get into the most important part of the season, the match play of national championships, they separate you all under your own individual hole, cordoned off from each other with no idea what's going on. No. Yeah, that was that was pretty mean, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just odd. It's just really odd. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, and I, I'd never even heard of a playoff like that before, but it honestly ended up being so much fun. So you just mentioned, you know, just so emotional and just, you know, trying to keep track of your emotions at that mo- at that point. I mean, just all the ups and downs. Does freshman Mac Miser handle that that way? Like if you're in that situation as <laughs> a freshman, like how have you grown as a player? And I don't mean, you know, lengthening your swing or how have you grown as a player since 
starting at SMU? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. My coach Para and I, and you know, my parents, my coach Brian Gathright, we have worked extensively on improving my, you know, my mental side of the game. Uh, I came in as a freshman and, you know, I was, I was pretty emotional out there. I mean, I wouldn't like cry out on the course, but I mean, I was, I would get, I would get pretty upset at myself. You know, I expected a lot and to be able to, to have to play for a team. I mean, that, that puts a lot of emotions on, on your belt, sure. um, each round, uh, just trying to perform for all four of those guys, five, six of those guys, including the coaches. Um, so I think what I've learned over the, over the two years, that's been the most valuable to me is, is knowing that, you know, going and doing my individual job, staying in each shot, staying positive, and just grinding out around, even when you don't have your best stuff. Um, and that's what we did. I mean, the national championship to be able to, you know, come off that and miss three footer. Um, a lot of people wouldn't be able to recover from that. Nope. Um, and, you know, to have my coaches, my parents, my, um, my, <laughs> my best friends, um, in the world right by my side, you know, giving me hugs and, you know, you know, smacking me and being like, all right, let's go. You know, um, I think that that is the coolest thing in the world, um, to have people by your side who support you. Um, even when you feel down, you know, pick you right back up and, um, they pick me right up and, um, you know, freshman Mac, I don't know if he would have been able to handle that. Honestly, I yeah. really, I really don't. And, you know, that would have been a lot to handle and it still was a lot to handle, but, sure. um, to be able to, um, come off of that and play that 18th hole as well as I did in that playoff. I think I proved a lot to myself that day um, that I had I had made a lot of growth in two years as as a golfer as a college golfer. So, well, that uh, you know that had to be just a very special experience. I mean, I know the the, the first round of that uh, match play you, you run up against. I mean, gosh, you run up against a buzzsaw. You run it's Oklahoma State and Wolf and and uh, you know Hovland and and Eckrod and, and the boys and uh, you know I guess if the season's got to end it's that's not a bad way for it to end against you know arguably one of the best collegiate teams I think in history I mean I I know that they didn't get it done uh, you know into the finals you know Texas uh, upset them on their way to losing to Stanford at the end but that's a hell of a run um, before we talk a little bit about the U.S. Amateur that's coming up and obviously you're playing in the Western grueling week there. Uh, I can't not ask you a little bit about some fun stuff as far as golf courses you have been able to play as just being a collegiate golfer. So let's see, you've, you've played the U S amateur in 2018 at Pebble beach. Check that. Tell me about your visit to Pine Valley. Let's get everyone as jealous as possible. I mean, all American uh, yeah. SMU and 4.0 grade average. And let's just, let's keep it rolling. Talk to me about Pine Valley. Oh yeah. Here we go. I mean, that, that place is, that place is, I mean, I can't even explain how ridiculous that place is. It is the amount of history, the amount of, you know, I mean, these, they've got these massive, you know, massive trees everywhere. I mean, just the beauty of this golf course. Um, it's so cool. I mean, you have to wear a suit and the, or a, a jacket in the clubhouse. Yep. I mean, it is like, it is every golfer's dream. And it's one that I had on my bucket list for a long time. And, uh, you know, we had some really gracious hosts who took us out there for a weekend. And, 
Uh, we had the full experience, got to play the part three course, which yep. is, I mean, might be just as cool as the, the golf course. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, you, you're in these, this, you know, and it's so funny because you, you, you drive in, um, and you drive past a water park to get into this, to get into this, um, literally the most prestigious country, country club and, or golf club in the world. And you're driving past this massive water park to get in. It is like the biggest oxymoron in the entire sure, world. You, sure. and you come into the gates and I mean, it's just like a whole different atmosphere. You know, everyone's just there, you know, for golf, you know, and it's, it's just all about the history of this place. And, you know, it's, it was a blast. I got to play it. We could play two rounds and actually, you know, it, it is a lot harder than people think um just by looking at pictures it is probably one of the top five hardest courses i've ever played and it didn't even didn't even have much wind when we were playing it's super long and um bunkers are extremely challenging they don't rake the bunkers it's it's just one of it's one of the coolest golf experiences i've ever had in my life and i was so thankful we got to do that my sophomore or that was my freshman year actually yeah i'm like like a month into my a month into my college experience and I get to go play the top rated course in the country. I mean, that doesn't get much better than that. That's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, let's see. Did Cypress point top it? <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've also been lucky enough to um, go up to Cypress point. We play the Stanford event each year in the mm-hmm. spring and um, each, I think it's the Monday after we get to go and play Cypress and you know, that, that golf course is, that's another golf experience on its own. I mean, it's, very different from Pine Valley, but, um, you know, you're there and you go and you hit balls in this tiny little range. That's just right of the, right of the first tee. And then you go and play one of the coolest golf courses in the entire world. Um, it's like first six holes are in up in the trees and then the next six are in the dunes. And then the last six are right on the water. And it's just one of the coolest experiences I ever had. I actually, my first year out there, I was lucky to make a hole in one on, on the, uh, on the seventh hole. Get out of here. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Dead serious. I don't even know how far the hole was. You don't get to have range finders out there. The caddies just basically tell you how far each shot is. And, um, he's like, all right, yeah, just go hit like a 190 yard shot. So I, on the seventh hole, it's like this super uphill par three. You can't even see the green. It's like a tabletop green and as big as like, a carpet. I mean, it's tiny and hit the six iron. And, you know, my buddies, uh, Gray and Clancy were up on the nine tee right. And it sits kind of right on top of the, uh, seven tee. And they both started screaming. And I was like, I, cause I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it go in. And they're like, you just made a hole in one at Cypress. And we go up there and the ball landed like a foot short of the hole. And I guess hopped right in. Uh-huh. So, um, one of the coolest, coolest experiences I was with, you know, uh, coach Enloe and, um, I think I was with Jackson as well. And I think at that point I was like seven under two through six holes. I had gotten off to a ridiculous start <laughs> my, you know, my freshman year in, in college and I'm getting to play these courses. It's, it's, it's so remarkable. Our coaches do such a great job of, you know, giving us the most amazing experiences, taking us to the coolest places. And I'm so thankful for it. That's uh that's a, that sounds pretty good. Pine Valley, Cypress, Pebble, um, got Ben coming up. 
So before we move on to the USAM uh, this year and what you're doing to prepare for, because actually you and um, and a couple of your teammates are actually probably going to be some of the very few participants that have experience on the dunes and the trails course. So I definitely need to ask you about that. But one other unique experience that you've had is you've played uh, Bush Cup, which is just a kind of a, a you know, dual uh, team match format uh, tournament that really started about, I guess, about five, six years ago. It's in honor of President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. I think it started at Wingfoot. There's typically it's Army against another school, whether it's Yale or Stanford, Northwestern. And then in the fourth uh, version of this was uh, at Trinity Forest, where you took on Army. And obviously your home course, you guys won the cup, actually dominated them pretty strong. But I got to ask you, the recipient of their humanitarian award that evening was Mr. Jim Nance. And obviously Jim and I are in the same business. And boys, there's some sarcasm in that statement. But um, <laughs> but what was, I mean, give me the whole experience of just being there for not only to play the golf, but just for the, all the um, activities that are surrounding that, this event. Yeah. So there's, there's a great story behind that. We, so we had, uh, we had dinner at the George, George W. Bush library, um, which is right on our campus at SMU. Um, it's an amazing library, um, with these massive banquet banquet halls. And so in one of these, one of these, um, massive halls and I guess you could call it, I mean, biggest, highest ceilings, we have this amazing dinner um we're sitting in this on this huge table uh super long table and each one of us is sitting across from um a player on the army team and they're wearing their uniforms of course it's sure. so amazing um and so you know we we go through this dinner and at the end uh jim you know they they honored jim nance for his award that he won and you know, George, George W. Bush actually spoke for a little bit as well. Uh, he's such a nice guy. We got to meet him and, uh, Jim Nance comes up and, you know, he's, he's talking, gives an amazing speech. And then at the end he goes, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to announce each one of y'all. I'm going to introduce you like I would like in, in the masters. And we're like, we're like, no way. Like this is, (laughs) this is pretty, pretty remarkable. So he goes through each one of us and, you know, he, you know, go through and be like, I'm sitting from, from San Antonio, Texas, Mac Meisner, you know, wins the masters, you know, and it's just <laughs> like, you know, he's, and I mean, he would, he, for each one of them, he had something different to say. Was, right. I don't know how he had so many ideas in his head, but um, he must, he must be pretty good at that. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, you know, we go through everyone and I mean, he announced like all 30 of us that were there, all oh, 30 wow. of the guys. And, uh, in his, um, I mean, he's obviously got like one of the best announcing voices of all time. One of, um, one of them. I mean, you know, he's tied for first, is what you're saying. Second, second, of course, to you. There we and, go. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, that was just like that's something that you just don't get to experience every day. Oh yeah. Um, something that I mean, I've I've hold, held on to that memory. My parents took a video of of him saying my name, introducing my name. It's just like. I mean, it was one of those, one of those moments that you, you know, you're, I'm going to remember forever. Sure. Hopefully someday he's doing it, doing a Butler cabin for real. So that would be, uh, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool too. And then yeah, you get that to, would and, be awesome. and then you get to play Augusta for the rest of your life. So then you just you <laughs> check off all the boxes. So you're good. Um, yeah. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> well, I mean, one way to get there, I mean, this is perfect segue lead into one way to get to Augusta national is you, uh, you get into that final match of the U S amateur and you're heading out there in a couple weeks or three weeks to, 
to play at, at Bandon Dunes. You and your team played in the Bandon Dunes Championship last year. And um, like I said, you and Noah Goodwin and Ali Osborne are going to be at this year's USAM. You three have experience not only – I mean, there's several courses out there, but you have experience. You have played the dunes. You've played the trails. Now, you played it in March, so there's going to be different weather than than what you're going to experience in August. Maybe not drastically different, but it'll be somewhat different. Gosh, where do we start? What were your expectations of Bandon? Had you been there before? I mean, walk me through just leading up to, to getting there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it, it's like a trip to get there. You gotta, you know, you gotta fly into San Francisco and then you fly into this tiny regional airport, um, and then take like a 45 minute bus ride. It's like, you, you really gotta want to get up there to get up there. I mean, it's, it is an entire trip on its, in itself. And, you know, you get there. My dad had actually, he'd gone up there with, with some of his, his friends, uh, played there probably four or five years before. And, uh, he kind of told me, you know, it's just enjoy it. I mean, it's, you're going to get blown over by the winds. You're going to get, you know, you're going to make some ridiculous numbers, but I mean, that's just part of that place. And I mean, it's so you get out there and, you know, you got seven or eight holes at Bandon on the ocean. You can see the ocean from, I think each hole on Bandon and, um, you know, the weather sometimes isn't great, but it's just so amazing up there. You just, you don't even care. Um, the courses are, you know, actually Bandon is, is so much fun. It requires so much creativity, um, around those greens and hitting shots into the wind. Um, and that's something I'm getting super excited for because that's something I'm, I'm pretty, um, you know, that's something I've always taken a lot of pride in is in my golf game is just being able to be creative and hit shots. Um, so I, so I did, I did actually play, I played pretty well there the last round of that tournament. Actually, we, we get onto the first, you know, I think we were, it was a shotgun start cause the weather was supposed to be that bad, bad that day. And we get on this, the sixth hole is, yes, the sixth hole is this part three. I was going to ask you about the sixth hole. That's funny that you're actually mentioning that there because I yeah. have that in my notes because I'm looking at the scores of that tournament and everyone, not just your team, every team, I, I don't know what's going on at the six hole. Is there, is there like a clown's mouth and a windmill? What, what's going on in that six hole? Yes, there exactly was as a, there was a clown's mouth and a windmill. It felt like, so we, we get out there at like eight o'clock in the morning, you know, super early. We're hitting balls in the rain. It is just dumping rain. It is blowing like 30 miles an hour. I mean, I don't want to be out there. None of us want to be out there. We're like, what the heck is going on? It's like 45 degrees. And uh, so we we get shuttled out to the sixth hole. We start on the sixth hole. Oh, no. Awesome. And it is is blowing. I'm not kidding. It is where it's out on the ocean, like as literally as close as you can get to the ocean as possible. I mean, you're right on the cliff. And it is actually blowing 45 miles an hour on the first hole and uh noah goes you know he goes first we were like an a and a b or whatever in the right, shotgun right, right. he goes off first and i think he he it was 130 yards i remember this actually perfectly and uh, Noah hits this low seven iron and it just it starts low and then literally takes a 90 degree angle straight <laughs> into the air and he comes up like i think he came up like 30 yards short and i think he made a bogey and i was like all right so this is fine that was a fine bogey to start. And, uh, and then I step up and our group steps up. I think the guys in front of me, I hit last and, um, 
I'm like, part of this is a this is a five iron from one thirty. I'm I'm not even kidding. And and I step over the ball, and it starts sleeting rain. And uh, play hard. And so, so and and so I go and step over the umbrella. We all kind of stop for a little bit, and uh, we wait for it to wait for it to stop. You know, I think it was like ten minutes and of just just a full sleet. And uh, I step back over my ball, and I'm like, okay, it's still blowing forty five. 45 degrees out here so that 130 is playing about 190 i guess we'll say <laughs> and uh pull out a five iron and uh just did not commit to it and i hit it out to the right and flew straight into a gorse bush and had to be t i think it made a double on the first hole so good start um uh, but i think i mean i just you're just playing out there in that weather and you're just like you're just trying to survive, but you're just, yeah. it, you, you can make so much, you can have so much fun playing in that weather, even though, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun to be hitting shots in that, but we, we just, we had a blast that day. I, I think Parra walked with me for a little bit and, um, we just basically survived and I think I fought pretty hard and shot like, I don't remember, I think I shot like four or five over, but, um, just to be able to play in those conditions, I had really never played in that. I think was such a good experience. Um, just learning that, you know, you just got to be able to keep the ball down and hit, hit just ridiculous shots that you would never hit in Dallas. Um, and I think it prepped me pretty well for this, this week or this next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to get back out there and give it another go. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you had a good, good tournament there. I mean, you top 10, I think, uh, you know, T nine with a lot of other players and, and gosh, I mean, just to be able to get out there, I'm guessing the fact that you're not going to be completely eyes wide open. Oh my gosh, look at this place. You're a lot of the people out, a lot of the players, I mean, the best amateurs in the, in the country is going to be the most competitive U S amateur in history because, you know, everyone's there on an exemption. So there's, there's no 15 year old that catches fire at his local qualifier because it's his home course or some, you know, 40 year old that, that careers it. I mean, everyone there mm-hmm. is there for a reason. So uh, for you to not have the whole, wow, I've never seen band and exp- you're not going to have that. So. Yeah, exactly. That'll be, it'll be nice to be able to go there again. And um, obviously, you know, remember the good times of last sure. year and the awesome weather, but uh, just to be prepared for it, you know, I think, you know, I know what I'm going to play. I've been there before. Um, I think it makes it easier for me to prep for that tournament, knowing what I'm, what I've got in store and what could happen, you know, in that, in that weather. Um, and just being prepared to be as creative as I can and just make it work. Um, I think is definitely going to give us a little bit of advantage going into that, into that tournament. Does it make a difference when you're, I mean, I'm just curious, does it make a difference when you don't have to go through a qualifier where you just circle it on the calendar or does it really matter? Cause everyone's got to play the same course anyway. So I've actually had to qualify three, three years in a row. Yeah. You have to make it to the quarterfinals to be exempt for the next year. So I've actually had to qualify three straight years okay. um, for the USAM. I'm, I'm one of the few people I know that I, I love playing in qualifiers. I just, I, I love the energy knowing that you've only got two rounds to make it happen and you go out and, basically make as many birds as you can. Yep. Um, it's such a fun environment to be able to, you know, not really, you know, it's either you're in or you're out and there's not much more on the line. You get to go and basically play as hard as you can for 36 holes. And I think that that's an environment obviously where I've played really well. Um, but to be able this year to 
obviously I wouldn't have had to qualify regardless, but to be able to know that I'm going there, um, no matter what, I think makes it easier for me to just mentally prepare for the tournament. I mean, having to go through a qualifier is, is a lot of stress. And I mean, you know, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. And, uh, so, you know, I've been, I've been getting myself, getting myself ready for banning for a little bit longer than I would have, if I had just had to play in a qualifier. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the only other person that I've spoken with where we got into this kind of a conversation about qualifiers that's that said the exact same thing you did almost word for word about getting up and getting excited for qualifiers because who cares if you if you don't make it because you know there's just limited spots. The only one that's ever said that is uh, Sahith Thigala, who just wrapped up one of the best college seasons of uh, all time, sweeping three awards. So, um, yeah, you're you're in good company. But yeah, he basically said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 definitely. I mean, it's different, and you get to you get to go out there, and you don't you're not really not playing for place. You're basically just going out trying to win win the thing. And I think, I mean that that might be a learning lesson for playing in normal tournaments. You know, just um, I think it's so easy to just get complacent and playing in stroke play tournaments. Say, you know, top five would be nice, top ten would be nice, but um, obviously going in with the mindset of trying to dominate win the thing i think set you up really well it served you well so far and and you know you picked up like i said you pick up the win at southern and you're you're trending in that right direction where all things are pointing towards a successful usam um who's uh who's yeah. who's catting for you at bandon so i had my dad on the bag at the southern and he's going to caddy for me at the western as well but as of now unless me and my dad do something ridiculous at the western I'm going to have my uh, long, long-term coach, uh, Brian Gathright, caddy for okay. me at the at the, um, at the USAM. We, he actually caddied for me in my qualifier for the USAM last year, and we were really successful, and I think we were a pretty good team, so I'm excited to, uh, excited to get that going in, uh, in a couple weeks. Nice. Well, Mac, really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you are getting on, uh, you know, you're, you're starting your travel up to the Western tomorrow. And uh, gosh, you're going to be on just a marathon from going from Texas to uh, Indiana and then back home and then, then out to Oregon. So you're about ready to embark on a pretty busy schedule. So I'm really glad you took some time and were able to take some time to join me here at the back of the range. And man, all the, all the best and, and, you know, try and, you know, gosh, try and have some fun. I mean, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like a challenge for you. <laughs> no, yeah, we, that's <laughs> something that I've, you know, I, I, I've been so lucky to be able to play golf and do what I love and, you know, why not, why not have fun doing it? You know, people, you know, being able to play with some of my best friends, I think is something I've been so grateful for. And, uh, you know, why not have fun? Absolutely. I mean, we didn't play golf. So thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, good luck. And, uh, and we'll definitely keep an eye on you at the, uh, at the USAM. So I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Awesome. Thanks so much. And there you have it. Special thanks, Mac Meisner. Awesome conversation. Really looking forward to meeting him at the US Amateur. I think he's going to do great things there and beyond as he finishes up at SMU. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I will be at the United States Amateur Abandoned Dunes. A lot of photos, a lot of video, a lot of interviews. So make sure you're following there and make sure you're following on all of the USGA social media channels as well. And don't worry, I do have some special episodes set to release during the US Amateur. Won't leave you hanging. So make sure you follow along and I'll see you next time.
here at the back of the range.